Coming to you from 8122 Production Studios in the heart of the 607, this is Horror Zone 607. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, you can always join the conversation using hashtag HZ607. Everybody, welcome to Horror Zone 607. We are the podcast that talks all things horror and bring you the week's biggest horror movie news. I'm your host, Mike C, and I am coming to you in my nice and warm and cozy Studio 13, but just right across town from me, over in the 8122 Production Studios. He's my friend, and I, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, he is, without a doubt, Truly, my bloody Valentine. He is rich. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Of course, we're recording on Valentine's Day, so we are. So we are. there you go. I'm so happy to know that you're spending that time with me instead of your wife. That makes I, I will me be feel going very home. Warm. I will be going home to spend time with her as well. I got a lot of things to do. I also got streaming to do. I was streaming last night with the UFC. I'm a tired, tired boy. I got an hour and a half of sleep. I got another stream to go. I got a show to do. I got dinner to eat. Like, let's go. I'm in the fucking zone, though, man. I am in the zone. <laughs> I am ready to say fuck Sean Cunningham for the next hour and X amount of times and whatever else. Freddie's dead here and whatever else my stick is. Well, you got them both in right in the one sentence. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm just trying to get all my shit in. So that way, when we if we, we decide to end the podcast early today, all my shit got in. Yeah. Well, I think we should just end it right now. Let's call it a day. I mean, we could we could go the way of the professor. The professor's not here, so. Yeah, that's right. You know, he's back on Broadway. Which means, um, which means for all you listeners, it's going to be a good show this week. Yay! Yeah! It's going to be a great show. No professor. It's going to be a great show. Now, oh. a lot of people don't realize he's actually doing two shows on Broadway right now. Of course, he's playing the middle segment of the, the Human Centipede, but he's also starring, and he's playing the lead role uh, in The Notebook, the musical. Ah, okay. So, you know. I was surprised. He's now Ryan Gosling, that's for sure. Well, he's not playing that role. He's playing Rachel McAdams' role. Oh, okay. So, I can see it. I know? mean, he has. Uh, they can't CGI that beard off, though, if it's live performance. He's still got the beard, so. Oh, yeah, Kinda, he's planning on keeping that. Oh, okay, so he's going to be a bearded Rachel McAdams. Bearded Rachel McAdams. I think that it's a perfect casting choice. You know, this... If he doesn't win a Tony Award for this, I don't know who deserves one. Well, it is 2021. Who am I to judge? Yeah, we'll judge him. That's what we'll judge. Because <laughs> he's not here to defend himself. That's right, damn it. <laughs> of course, uh, coming up later uh, later in the show, uh, we have a, a wonderful, wonderful write-up that he did about the movie St. Maude. Um, oh, wait. I, I didn't wait. get that. Sorry. No, that's right. He didn't He didn't send it. Uh, yeah. So that's out. There goes that. The show, you know. So there he goes ruining the show. He doesn't even have to be here. You know, yeah. But at least, at least, <laughs> at least everything will be intelligent and on the up and up. That's true. That's well, somewhat. You got me here still. So, eh, you know, could be worse. You know, 50 50. But I I actually watched a little bit of St. Maud. I didn't realize. I thought it was out in theaters now, like like limited release and stuff. And it, it was actually on like Stars or something uh, over the weekend. So I actually watched part of it. How'd and, you enjoy uh, that? Uh, I loved it just as much as every other A24 movie. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, a real, uh, real knock me out of the park, let me tell you. 
So let's just say that I, I ended up flipping it off to go back and watch SmackDown. So, probably a better probably a better usage of your time. Yeah, yeah, because that wasn't good either. <laughs> but or not great anyway. But uh, it, it was definitely more entertaining than what I what I saw in St. Maud. So, you know, we, we can't wait for you to be back next week, Professor, so we can hear all about it. I'm psyched. I am psyched. There's a little insight into what we're going to be doing next week. Uh, you know, it's, I hope he enjoyed it. I'm sure he did. It seemed like it was his kind of movie. But uh, yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, that is, know, that's right up his wheelhouse. It really is. It really is. So, but uh, you know, one thing uh, we we were off last week. Uh, just schedules just didn't work out. So it, it's been two weeks since we've done a show, and I got a lot of news, tons of news to cover. Um, so we might as well jump right into that this week. Um, so the first thing is uh, the movie, or excuse me, the the series Clarice premiered um, this past Thursday. Did you get a chance to watch that? I just want to talk about that a little bit. Not so much news, but I just kind of wanted to discuss it real quick. I did not get a chance to watch that. I, it's on my uh, to-do list this week. Yeah, check it out. I, I'm curious to see what you would think of it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, it's a series that I really hope succeeds. And, uh, you know, it's the the lead actress uh, really nailed Jodie Foster's performance, I, I thought, um, from The Silence of the Lambs. Sounded just like her. Looked, uh, you know kind of looked a little bit like her a little bit and uh it was a good series i like the flashbacks to the uh to the silence of the lambs the movie they did a good job with that um so i just kind of want to touch base with that i really enjoyed it and uh once you guys get a chance to watch it you know I, that's something i want to talk about in the future on the show but getting into the news um I, there, there's a couple big stories here uh the first thing i, I always want to start off with when we lose a legend you know i, I kind of want to talk about that first and we didn't lose just one legend we've lost two uh, the first is, you know, unfortunately, we, we have lost the legendary Hal, Hal Halbrook, Holbrook. Uh, let me try that again. Hal Holbrook, uh, star of The Fog, Creepshow, and countless other films, passed away at the age of 95. And uh, we also lost Christopher Plummer at the age of 91. Both. Both real sad. That was that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really crappy. Uh, both legendary actors. I mean, hell, I mean, both of them had... Quite the discographies too. If when you go and look oh, yeah. up all their credits, Hal Holbrook has been in a million things. Well, I, Christopher Plummer has two. Christopher uh, Plummer too. Not, yeah. not 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 not. And then you add in his like theater stuff. Like yeah. that dude is like was steady busy his entire life. And I mean, well, both yeah. of them were. Uh, and like I said, I, I thought I think both of them are great. They've had some amazing roles over time and and, and in multiple genres. They they, they neither guy was just. Uh, a horror or a sci-fi or whatever guy both guys right. have crossed into every genre possible i mean hell i mean a lot of the young uh, younger listeners will probably only know christopher Plummer from his work on knives out uh yeah you know it was one of his last major roles and yep. uh he was phenomenal in that uh but uh you know both guys man go back and, and do yourself a favor and, and check out some of their stuff of course uh with with Halbrook I, I I you know obviously I know I'm a big creep show fan that's why I was excited that creep show was getting a TV series and that of course has not disappointed me either uh but you know going back to you know him being in that and everything else like it, man it was a really shitty week uh to lose to let you you did the nail right in the head they're both legends yeah they really were and I had just watched the fog like a couple of days before parts of the fog a couple of days before. And, you know, I, I loved his role in that. Yeah, I loved, I loved that movie. I got talking with our, our friend, the maestro the other night. Uh, we haven't talked in a while. And, 
kind of started texting me and we ended up talking on the phone for a little bit and we we got talking about the fog actually and just how underrated it is and how it's it's criminal that so many people don't know that it exists and the ones that do know think that the remake is the only version of it and how it's just it's a darn near perfect horror movie you know really when you think about it it they just they they nailed it and hal holbrook really had a, a big part in that movie as you know just as much as anybody else he was at the center of it uh, of course, Tom Atkins was in it and, you know, ended up in bed with Jamie Lee Curtis 30 seconds after he met her. And you can see but, his ass, of course. No, not in that one. Oh, He's wait a minute. Back. Wait, whoa. You're thinking Halloween 3. Well, well, I'm just saying, if you don't get the ass shot with Atkins, does it really happen? Well, that's true. It's like, Did you know, it really happen? I mean, he always has to have sex with a woman, but if there's right. no ass shot, it's kind of like it's kind of like Sam Jackson in a movie not dropping a motherfucker. Right, right. Or the bear in the woods. You know, yeah. never mind. Yeah, never exactly. mind. Yeah. But... Yeah, just you know, just such a such a great movie. We'll have to review that one at some point and really dive into it because I love The Fog, one of my all time favorites. So Hal Holbrook, Christopher Plummer, rest in peace. Uh, you know, it's just great careers and uh it's sad to see them go. It's always sad to see any legend go and it's sad to see them go. Absolutely. Um but on to, to bigger news. Not bigger news, but better news, more positive news. Uh HBO's The Last of Us series is finally cast its leads. And boy, we got a big one. We got a big one here because Joel is going to be played by Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian and from everything Still. else. Wonder Woman and 84. Like this dude right now is like signed to like eight different projects. Like yeah. he is he is he is almost as busy as The Rock currently. Just going yeah. to throw that out there. Uh, I love the and by the way, uh, throwing it out there, I love the casting. So uh, yeah. good job on them casting a great actor. I think he'll portray the role very well. Yeah, and they also cast Ellie. She's going to be played by. Uh, I believe she's a British actress, Bella Ramsey. She's from Game of Thrones. Uh, I never watched that show, so I'm not familiar with her work. I know, um, you know, makeup can go a long way, but she doesn't look at all like Ellie in the video game. Yeah, I, I can see Pedro Pascal kind of kind of looking like Joel uh, with the right work, but slap you know, a we'll, beard on him. You know? Yeah, you know, but we'll we'll see how how she looks. But she doesn't look at all like the character, so I. I'm a little bit stumped by that, but you know she might be a great actress for all I know. I don't know anything about her. From so I'm not a big Game of Thrones guy really either, but uh, I heard that she's a very good actress, and I, I'm sure that they'll do a good and job. And that's all that matters. Yeah, that's I'm sure all they'll that matters. Do a good job. She gives a great performance. So, um, but yeah, you know it's exciting. It's finally, finally feels like it's going to happen. Uh, I think that they're going to get this out quicker than they got the video, the second video game out. Hi yo! <laughs> After all the delays that they had with that, uh, but I really, really cannot wait for this uh, show to come out because I am a huge fan of those games. And, um, you know, I'm glad to see that they, they got some big time players cast in this. So uh, obviously there's a lot more roles that need to be cast, but those are the big ones. So it's, it's happening. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Uh, the board game clue. Now we know that back in the eighties, there was a fantastic, fantastic comedy movie with an all-star cast named clue. that was based on the video game. Or excuse me, the board game. Um, but we're getting an all new adaptation of it now. For years, they've been talking about a remake of it. We're not getting a remake, but we are getting an animated series, and it's going to be produced by Fox Entertainment. Woohoo! I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm a fan. I think it's going to be fun. And hopefully, hopefully they they catch the spirit of the movie, you know, because that was something that was great. You know, just uh, I love I, I love the Clue movie. Yeah, I, I have seen that in years. Years and years and years. I think I might have still been a kid with the last time I saw that. Um, I might have to buy that. I might have to buy that and watch it again because I, I remember just loving that movie as a kid. 
Yeah, it's a great movie. I, I've watched it over and over again when I was a kid. I have seen it recently because I showed it to my kid, and I still love it. I also love the fact that now a lot of the copies, you get all of the endings to the film. So it's all ah, amazing. Yes. And, of course, it's got Tim Curry in it. Can't oh, go wrong oh, with, with Tim Curry. Dude, Christopher Lloyd? Christopher Lloyd. Dude, right? it's got a, there is a lot of people in that movie. It's, yeah. it's an amazing movie. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's that's That's one that, you know, you don't even hear about it all that often, but that should be up there with, like, you know, some of the greats from, from that era, you know, people talk about the monster squad and a lot of those other movies at that point, the Goonies clue belongs in that conversation. It really does. I, I feel you there. I'm agreeing. I agree with you. Uh, so Blumhouse Blumhouse is back in the news. Uh, they're moving forward with the next paranormal paranormal activity film. Uh, we knew that that was coming, but we got some big time players involved with this one. Uh, Christopher Landon, who, of course, wrote and directed both Happy Death Day movies as well as Freaky. He is signed to write the movie, and William Eubank, who directed last year's Underwater, is going to be directing. Right on. I mean, I, I fell off with them a little while ago. I got to be honest with you, but, I mean, if they throw something out there that's intriguing, I'll definitely be one to watch it. Yeah. Freaky was good. I, yeah. I did enjoy it. I, I, I didn't like it as much as the Happy Death Day movies. Um, it wasn't quite as as fun as those, but it was still really fun. It no, was a good yeah. movie. I thought it was a very good movie. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Blumhouse, uh, there's rumors circulating that Halloween Ends is going to be pushed back to 2023. I don't know that that's really any big news. We don't have anything concrete. It's just rumors that we're hearing, but I think that that kind of went without saying, considering they haven't even started production on it yet. As long and, as Jason Blum keeps his word and I get Halloween kills this year in October, that's fine with me. Yeah. I, I think you're going to get that. I, I think you're going to get that. Uh, if not, we riot. I, we riot in I the have streets. A feeling that you're going to riot. We riot yeah. in the streets. That's that's <laughs> how this works. We find we find wherever we have to riot, North Carolina, wherever it is, and we riot in the streets until we get Halloween kills. Yes. Just throwing it out there. It needs to come. But then again, he do it. I I I know it's going to happen because he guaranteed it was going to happen. So yeah. Uh, and they have been very good at keeping their words over there at Blumhouse. Uh, I would assume. Because of their overwhelming deal with Amazon, that if it doesn't hit the theaters, it will hit Amazon. Yeah, that because I'm that. thinking that that's because think about it, they do have that deal with Amazon because they did those Amazon original movies. Right. Although you could also be the bell of the ball and just like auction off to the best, uh, the top winner. You know what I mean? True. So uh, for kills, but like I said, I I'm ex- anticipating the ends would have gotten pushed back anyways. Because from what I understand that they when when they stopped filming, they really never went back. Right. They had yeah, only shot very little. There was they only had shot very little before they, they 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 shut down and they shot very little and then that was it. Right. They never went back to it. So I, I I'm not upset about it at all. Uh, I'm just hoping for a great movie coming out in October that'll lead into another great movie. That's all I'm hoping for. Right. And by lead into another great movie, you mean Freddy's Dead? Yes. If you want to get that in there again, Freddy's Dead. Of course, the remake <laughs> of Freddy's Dead, brought to you by uh, directed by. Uh, uh, Joe Hill, yes. uh, executive produced by Stevie King, and <laughs> and now now you you might not have heard this is is now actually being written, it is being written by the master of horror himself, Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Paul wow. Rubens. Wow. If you're not familiar with Paul Rubens, get familiar with Paul Rubens. One of the greatest horror movie icons of all time. I really hope that Freddie does the tequila dance. <laughs> that is something you're not going to get out of your head. 
you know what Picture we need? That. You know what we need? We need a remake of Ernest Scared Stupid as well. Yeah. Starring Paul Rubens. Star- starring Paul Rubens, yes. Yes. As Ernest. He's a busy man. He's a busy man. As Pee Wee. He, he, as Pee Wee playing uh, Ernest. Yes, of course. That's what we need. Pee Wee Herman in. Sign me up. Ernest Scared Stupid. Or we need we need Paul Rubens playing Pee Wee as the vampire who never dies from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, oh. Ah. Playing Ernest P. Whirl. <laughs> That's what we really need in life there, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, I, I'm all in. I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the most shocking thing I ever saw him in, there was a movie called The Tripper that came out um, that David Arquette was involved with. You and, just said uh, all of it. What's that? You just said enough to sell me on it. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting movie. It takes place like out in like a wooded area. It's like a big drug fest, and uh, the guy that's like the guy that's like making out like I don't know if he was running the whole thing. I, it's been years since I've seen it, but Paul Rubens was like the guy that was like the, taking in all the money, and all he does is drop f bombs. I've never heard Pee Wee Herman <laughs> swear, and he just drops f bomb after f bomb after f bomb. Well, he it swears. He swears a little bit in blow. I've never seen that. Really? Uh, yeah. Very good movie. That's the truth. I've heard that. My brother said it was good, but eh, I just never got around to it. But yeah, yeah. Check out The Tripper. <laughs> that was a fun movie. The killer's running around with a rubber Ronald Reagan mask on. Killing I'm people. in. I'm in. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the rest of the news we got this week, kind of fun stuff. Uh, on March 23rd, Friday the 13th, Part 2, which of course is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, we'll be receiving a limited edition 40th anniversary steelbook. I know you're fans of those. Oh, I love the steelbooks. It's like a collector's it's a collector's edition uh, casing. You got, they're the only, honestly, they're the only ones that are worth buying now because you have the casing, which is a collector's thing, and then inside you usually get a little bit of bonus on the Blu-ray. It, it's, it's a really good deal. I've always, I've, I mm-hmm. dig them uh, because, like I said, you can display the case and you can uh, get all the great extras on the, uh, the, the Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, this is not going to actually include all like those like deleted scenes and stuff that had never been seen before they came out with the box set that came out a few months back. It's not going to have those in there. They've announced, but still, it'll still have something else on there. They always put yeah. they always put something cool on them. So that's why I said you get you know, even if it's not that one gimmick, it'll be another gimmick. But like I said, I, the big seller to me as a collector is the 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 cases are super cool. Right. Yeah, I might have to look into getting that. So, um, now I know you're excited about this because you told me that uh, you might just you might be spending some money coming up here uh, pretty soon. But Trick or Treat Studios, which do a phenomenal job making masks, replica masks, well, they're going to be releasing replica masks from the movie Haunt. Uh, Take which, my money. Of course, we watch on Shutter, and uh, they'll be available this April, and will each cost nineteen ninety nine a piece. Take my money. That's going to cost me $120 for all six. Or if you, if people at home would like to purchase uh, them and send them to 1235 Upper Front Street, Binghamton, New York, Dragon Master Games in care of Horror Zone 607, uh, you, you know, uh, we will accept them and put them up in the studio as well. But if not, I'll, I'll buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so they kind of look like those cheap plastic masks you used to see in the drugstores back in the 80s. So I don't know that they're really worth twenty dollars, but you know they make good products. So they're uh, worth they're worth a million dollars. Well made. They they're are worth a million dollars. Like yeah, I mean they're probably not going to be cheap thin plastic with like a rubber band. Yeah. Uh, at least I hope that that's not what they are. But that's pretty much what they were in the movie. No, they're going to be a so. little. I think they're going to be a little thicker just because they usually work with better quality stuff. Yeah, uh, they do a really nice job over there. So I have no. 
I have, I don't, I don't think that I'd have no, if I buy them, which I probably will buy at least a couple of them. I don't know if I'll get all six. I do believe that they'll be high quality because that's just what they yeah. do. And they're uh, being the, made from the same molds. And if the, you, uh, yeah, if you saw, movie. if you saw haunt, those are pretty cool, man. Yeah. And that was a great movie. That's one I never got around to watching that again, this past Halloween season. And I really wanted to, that not, was a great, not to mention one of them is, is a clown mask. And yes. we, we know a certain person who is in the studio every week who is terrified of clowns. Uh, you got to put it up in the studio then. I'm going I'm to wear it. When I get it, I'm going to put it on. <laughs> You're just going to wear it I'm gonna, for every show you do. I, it. Not every show, but I'm, he's going to come in the room and I'm going to have it on. Just be sitting there. Just, just it kind of looks out. like the Michael Myers uh, mask from the remake. That it does. When he was a kid. It does. Yeah. So, uh, and, and finally this week, uh, so apparently... An Amber Alert went out three separate times. Uh, this is about two weeks ago. And uh, I, I don't recall where this happened. But there was an Amber Alert, an emergency alert that went out on not one, not two, but three separate occasions that, um, that a gentleman abducted his son. And the gentleman's name is Chucky. And his son's name was Glenn. Um, they gave a complete description that uh, he was wearing his favorite denim overalls, was three feet, three foot one inches tall, 28 years old, and has auburn hair. Um, <laughs> this is a true story. You can't make this up. This actually happened. Um, the town that this happened in was, was doing a test and did not intend for this to happen, but they sent it out three times. And it actually went out and people were kind of like, huh? But <laughs> apparently... The Amber Alert went out that Chucky abducted his his movie son, Glenn. But you know what this is? You know what it is? It was actually some promotional work for their new the, the new show. That, it really wasn't, though. But it would have been cool, right? <laughs> it should have been. Wouldn't it be cool? This would have been the greatest advertisement fucking ever. But no. Better than Blair Witch and instead, Activity. Instead, it sounds like they were having a little bit of fun with testing out their stuff, and it just went wide. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it's still kind of cool. I, I wonder if somebody took it really serious and started looking for Chucky. <laughs> I hope they did. I need to know. I hope they did. Did they say I what mean, kind? Was he driving the uh, Barbie Power Wheel? It didn't say. It didn't uh, say what vehicle I need, I need those. Driving. I need those informations. <laughs> it was, uh, when I saw it, I actually thought it was going to be an advertisement for the new show. And uh, no, this really happened. This really happened. It's a true story. <laughs> so uh, be on the lookout for uh, for an Auburn-haired uh denim wearing three foot one three foot one inch uh doll named chucky that's uh got his uh his child glenn or glenda uh glenda. take your pick uh in in the car with him true story true dat yo uh <laughs> well if you've seen chucky around or if you just want to drop a line <laughs> to us you can do that on social media we are on facebook horror zone 607 like and share that page we're on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorZone607. Remember to use that hashtag HZ607 whenever talking about the show. You can also visit us at 8122productions.com. Uh, you get all the information that you need about what we do here at 8122productions, including uh, this show right here that you hear and everything else we're doing. Also, you can uh, go ahead and find our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. Uh, eventually, we're going to have some more watch-alongs and such in the horror realm. Uh, we just got to get you know, Mike out of his studio and back to this studio. And uh, also the professor needs to come off of Broadway. Yes, he does. He does. Uh, I should be, uh, I'm eligible to get my vaccine now, actually. Ooh. So I'm kind of up in the air with it. Um, my sister-in-law got her second one uh, yesterday. 
and she's feeling okay, but I've been kind of hearing a lot of horror stories about it. So I'm kind of up in the air. You know, I, I don't know how I feel my, about my it. My wife, but. my wife has it because she works in the hospital, and uh, she uh, there was a little. She had a little. There was a little uh, problem, but it wasn't that bad. No. She said. She said it was just a headache, and uh, basically it was just a headache. The headache yeah. was kind of shitty, but I mean that's they basically giving you a virus. So I mean, eh. yeah, <laughs> your body. See what your, your body does. Yeah. See what your body does with it, and uh, you know, you'll, I, I think you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, let's face facts. I, I, you know, it's something I, I want to get. Uh, I want to get back to some sort of normalcy with this, and once I get it, you know, it's 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 something I plan on being back in the studio finally. And uh, truth be told, uh, the one thing I, I can't wait to do more than being back in the studio with you guys is going to the grocery. So <laughs> something I really miss doing, and uh, I can finally stop spending double getting things. Uh, delivered to my home so it'll be nice to be back with you guys though i, I can't wait and uh you know well, on top of that you know what if you would like to support us monetarily and help pay for them groceries i guess <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash 8122 productions for as little as one dollar a month you get a ton of extra bonus content and we are adding more all the time so uh join on in have a lot of fun but i believe it's time for the trivia question of the week oh you better believe that it is that's right it is time for the horror zone 607 trivia question of the week this one, uh, I don't know if you're going to get this one or not. So I, I, I think you can get it. I, I, I think this one's a little bit tougher than some of the, the softballs, underhand pitches that I've been giving you lately. But uh, let's see what you get here. So the question is, name the 1980 cult classic that features villains named Farmer Vincent Smith as well as his portly sister, Ida. One more time, name the 1980 cult classic that features villains named Farmer Vincent Smith, as well as his portly sister, Ida. The answer to this question, coming up right after the break. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Tuffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, and you're listening to Rich and Mike on the Horror Zone 607 Podcast. Welcome back to The Zone. Before the break, I asked this week's Horror Zone 607 trivia question. The question was, name the 1980 cult classic that features villains named Farmer Vincent Smith, as well as his portly sister, Ida. Rich, do you have a guess? Yes, I am going to guess Motel Hell. That is the correct answer. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I saw the movie. That's why I was like, well, I know he's a farmer. But I can't remember yes. his name. <laughs> I love that movie. Such a great movie. It is a fun movie. It's, it's really so good. fun. Speaking of fun movies, uh, we're going to do a new segment here. And well, I mean, it's still like the talking horror segment. It's always the secondary segment. But we're going to do a new thing here that we're going to do occasionally from in the future now, from now on, because it's something we have talked about doing in the past. And I thought it would be good to look into. And what we're going to talk about is alternate scripts. So throughout the history of all movies, pretty much, there has been alternate scripts to a lot of classic movies. And this is no stranger in the horror realm where we have seen a ton of alternate scripts and scripts that have never been made. 
Scripts that were pitched and were never made. Uh, we, we know about a ton of them. A lot of them are famous. Uh, hell, some of them are infamous <laughs> uh, for what they are and what they are. I mean, I mean, Mike C were just joking about how we could do a whole month just on Freddy versus Jason, uh, <laughs> just because there was like eight or nine different scripts that had been approved or been uh, paid for Heck, over the years. We could get three months of that. Pretty much. But uh, as we were going along, we're going to talk about something that we have talked about on this show before. Not in depth, but we're going to dive a little bit in depth for the first one because I thought we should do a big one. And this is a movie that was made, but originally there was a different author. So if I got to take you back, Mike C., to a little movie. Uh, you've probably heard of it before. It's called Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Yes. Yes, I've heard of that. Most consider it the number one Nightmare on Elm Street movie of all time. Am I not correct? Um, I'm not saying all. I'm saying a lot of people do. Yeah, a lot of people or, or the best sequel, without yeah, a absolutely. doubt, which I'm, I'm in that category. Yeah, I, I, I would just say it's a really good movie. Would you, I mean, I know we've talked about it on the show before, but for sake of this, uh, would you be surprised to find out that what we saw was not the original script for that movie? I've heard a thing or two about this. So what we saw, if you go to the the script that was put on screen uh, in 1987, uh, it was actually uh, the credited to, uh, what is it, uh, Russell and Frank Darabont, as well as Bruce Wagner and Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Intriguing, huh? But the original script did not have the Darabonts involved in it. Of course, uh, uh, was it Frank Darabont was the director of the movie as well. But they were not involved with the original script at all. The original script was written by Bruce Wagner and, most importantly, Wes Craven. Right. Uh, they did keep some parts of the script. And I, I, I don't know how we want to set this up for the future, so I'm going to kind of do like a little bit of here and there for it. Uh, so I'm going to start off with similarities because I feel like that's – you know, a good place to go before we go deep diving. So the things that the Darabonts kept about the movie was most of the characters' names were the same. There okay. was some changes to the characters, slight changes to the characters, and that explains the movie poster, by the way. If anybody's ever wondered why the movie poster does not look like the characters we see in the movie, you know, there's a couple of them that are out of place. It's because originally those characters, even though they had the same names, were slightly different in the script. Okay. And and it is a long standing urban legend, which should I, I'm assuming is true because of this, is that the person who made the art for the poster actually had had seen the original script first. Oh, okay. So, you know, much like the you know chagrin of how uh, Jason in the Friday the 13th game is blue and uh, yellow based upon the Friday the 13th 3D release in Japan. Because mm-hmm. the picture for it on the box had him in in purple and blue, and that's why we ended up with that in the NES game. Because the, the Japanese people had thought that that was the color of Jason. Uh, that is that is a real thing that that actually happened. Wow! So that is what a, the urban legend is behind the uh, the poster. We don't know if that's true or not, but it would stand to be true. That's why there's some differences in Tara a little bit. Like if I remember that when she's holding a mace instead of the switchblades. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, It's a different yeah. weapon. And Kincaid looks slightly different as well. Uh, so so that is probably why, is because they probably saw the, when they hired the artist, the it was still script. off of the original script. <laughs> so the names are the same, pretty much. And the characters are similar. Like, they're similar enough that you could say that they were the same characters. The premise of the Dream Warriors is also the same, you know, with the fact that she can pull people in the dreams and that they have powers in their dreams. That is where the name of the movie came from, regardless of the... So that was taken from the original script and used again. 
Also, uh, not how it played out, but the fact of finding Freddy's bones and laying him to rest is also a crux of both of the scripts. Okay. It plays out slightly differently, obviously, in the original version. The, the, you know, the unmade movie. Right. In comparison, because we know how the other movie ends. The one major... So, let's go into something that's... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a similarity, but it's a major difference. There is no... Freddy is not as comical in the original script. It is a darker script. It's a grittier script. However, that did not stop him from having one-liners. And uh, some of the uh, famous one-liners from the script uh, is during the, uh, the worm scene, uh, which always already looked phallic. Freddie says to her, give Freddie a little head, huh? <laughs> and uh, then later on, uh, Philip, you know, the character, that the marionette character, a lot of people remember yeah. that death. In the original script, he was written as a 13-year-old, by the way. Oh, wow. Not slightly older. He was written as a 13-year-old boy. Uh, instead of being marionetted, he dies in a similar fashion. Instead of being marionetted, though, he is actually, uh, you know how like sometimes uh, children uh, get on their parents' feet and you walk with them? You clearly hold their oh, hands yeah, and you walk yeah. with them on their feet? That is what happens to Philip. So Freddy, Big Freddy, like he is in that thing, walks him on his feet and then huh. dumps him off the side of the building. So it's the same ending, but it's not the marionette. I think the marionette thing was better, by the way. Just throwing that out. Yeah, there. yeah. Thinking about it, I mean, they both, th that's kind of interesting too, but the, the marionette was much better. And I love this quote. Uh, so the one-liner does come in here where uh, Philip asks Freddie, why me, before he dumps him, obviously. And Freddie, in, in true dirty old man fashion, says, because I like you. <laughs> <laughs> like so there's there's one liners but it's definitely darker and grittier uh so let's get into the differences because i think that's where we're really at so okay. uh the difference is, is this movie is definitely a more gritty more visceral kind of movie a lot of people have said that this script reminds them that they think that some of the stuff that was put in this movie was actually taken and put into people under the stairs another west craven film Oh, wow. uh, mo mostly because the one thing that we deal with in this the major difference is there is a freddy house so and it's not on, it's not in Springwood. There's a Freddy house not in Springwood. I do believe it's in the desert, according to this. Okay. And the Freddy so it's house, not Nancy's house. It's a different. No, it's a completely different house. They call it the Freddy house or the Dream House sometimes, but it's a completely different house. And the the unique property of this house is that when you walk into this house, while you're awake, you can actually go to the Dream World. Interesting. Which leads to some interesting stuff we're going to talk about in a second uh, as part of the script. So anyways, this movie opens much differently than the uh, original movie because this movie opens not with our hero, Heather Langenkamp, playing, reprising her role as Nancy, going to the hospital. And, you know, well, you have the scenes with the girl and then they're going to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. You know how the original opens. This right. actually opens where her and the doctor that she's uh, entering under, which is the same doctor from, you know, the version we got are actually in search of Nancy's father. Okay. And Nancy's father was on this search and hunt for Freddy Krueger in Freddy's house, is what we find out. Hmm. And okay. so basically, uh, speaking of our return heroine from part one, she is front and center in the first draft. The film opens to the birth of Freddy. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Freddie is born to a nameless woman alone in a secluded ranch home. This is where the Freddy's house mythos comes from. Uh, there's no mention of Amanda Kruger or 100 maniacs here. 
Nancy's driving cross country on the hunt for her missing father, which leads to a great exchange between her and Neil, who Neil was the doctor, if you remember. Uh, they blow a tire and they stumble upon Freddie's old abode. When Nancy enters the house, she's thrown into a waking dream. And that's what they call it. They call this state a waking dream. The waking dream. Yep. Okay. And she is told by exposition, uh, in the script, there's an exposition that says that Nancy's, uh, or he's, she was told by an exposition dump that John, Nancy's father, remember John, played by the late great John Saxon. Right. Uh, he went to Freddie's home and because he, he believes that Freddie's home is a literal gateway to the dream world. No Z's necessary, as he puts it. I can't make that up. After escaping <laughs> the clutches of Freddie's home, Nancy is rescued by the Good Samaritan, Dr. Neal, who takes Nancy under his wing. He also ends up taking her on his, on his assistant, where she seems to have free reign of the institution, despite having no medical qualifications at all. So she is not a doctor in this. Okay. She's not a psychologist at all. She has zero, but yet she's running around. Uh, it is also revealed that John wound up locked inside the loony bin, too. He got busted trying to burn down the Kruger home after shaving his eyelids off. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. And they have, and, and in the script, there is this scene where you see him shaving his eyelids off. Because he, that's how he said, thinks he's not going to sleep. Wow. That is fucking crazy, right? It is. Um, okay. Okay. So I'm following you. So Nancy is relieved of locator father. Nancy discovered that he's been on the hunt for Freddie all this time. John believes that Freddie's home is the source of his power. Burning it down will put the dream demon to rest for good. Somehow everyone involved, the kids, Nancy, her father, have all been unknowingly drawn to this town because they're special. They're the, okay. war they're the warriors capable of stopping Freddy. Yep, we're not in Springwood anymore. The idea that every town has an Elm Street is presented for the first time in this script, only never to be to make screen until Freddy's dead five years later. So this is the first time that they said that every street has an Elm Street. Uh, goes on because I'm just reading a, the synopsis here. Uh, by the way, it's from Bloody Disgusting because uh, I, I, I wanted to read their synopsis because they did a way better job. Right. I remember reading that article yes. actually at one point. Uh, one of the script's strong suits are the visuals. One final scene involves a bonus character named Laredo, who ultimately became the wheelchair-bound Will in the finished film. Because uh, you notice he's, there's also he's not on the poster. Right. Uh, realizing he has the power to morph into anything he can imagine once up against Freddy. Laredo morphs into a giant gargoyle, Freddy a giant bird. Laredo turns into a net to catch Freddy, only for Freddy to morph into goo in order to slip away. It's absurd and surely would have played more for laughs, whether intentional or not. Here's my personal favorite. Kincaid doesn't survive his, this initial draft, and again, the visuals of his death are part ridiculous and part horrific. Kristen, able to pull the warrior from one dream scenario to the next, teleports the warriors from Freddy's home back to the reality of the hospital. Kincaid winds up trapped halfway through a wall. His upper body is screaming for help in the real world, while his lower half is fair game to Freddy in the dream world. The punchline involves Freddy's glove ripping through Kincaid only to pop through the boy's mouth. The creme de la creme, however, is the final moment of Kristen literally witnessing Freddy's birth, only to battle the evil newborn, bashing it to death against a wall. Wow. So she grabs the umbilical cord and smashes baby Freddy into a wall to defeat him. Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> they go on to say, and I agree with, he goes, it's some of these insane ideas that probably wouldn't have worked on screen, but they've certainly exciting, uh, are exciting to talk and think about what if. 
Overall, this draft lacks serious character development with Kristen getting the short shaft, uh, making way for more sh uh, screen time for Nancy. There are no group sessions until the end when all the kids prepare for battle. It certainly lacks the emotional uh, heft of the film. We know and love, of course, this was just a first draft, so it's, it's possible uh, that Craven Wagner would have uh, ironed out these issues before production. What's more interesting to ponder would A Nightmare on Elm Street have been the horror juggernaut it was had the script been filmed? Would kids have had Freddy lunchboxes and action figures to play with? Probably not. Right. Uh, there's a couple other brutal things that go on that are not in this article. There was an, uh, a, uh, that I went through reading the actual script. Uh, one of them is uh, this is how Freddy is just this movie is brutal. Like the script is very visceral, lots of blood, lots of guts. It is it is not what we got from the Dream Warriors. Okay, put it this way: uh, we all remember Joey, correct? Yep. Joey, you know the good that she she he kisses Freddie that's dressed up as the that's made up as a woman, and then he's the held nurse. over the pit. He's held yeah. over the pit, and that's who they're saving. In the original version, the Bus Craven version. Freddie disembowels Kristen's mother and munches on her intestines first. Jeez. So she he disembowels her and then <laughs> eats her intestines. He oh, then follows he then follows that by Joey dying by suggestions Freddie. When the French kiss leaves, the Freddie's tongue twisting up into his skull and popping out both of his eyeballs from the inside out. Yeah. Jeez. The idea that Freddie isn't tied to Springfield would have certainly opened up a late, uh, up for later sequels, as well as have ultimately been given an entirely different backstory for Kruger. Uh, another one that is interesting for this movie, and I saved it for last, is in this script, we know that we... Okay, so in the original movie, we, we ended up with the marionette scene. Right. As we know. Uh, Giant Freddie marionette him off, and we, I just explained what the scene was originally, which was completely different. But there is something very similar in the original filming okay. that we would later see in Wes Craven's new nightmare a little bit, but also it was a little bit taken from what they ended up doing with the marionette scene. And this is why this movie was going to cost a lot of money. Originally, <laughs> the Wes Craven script was estimated to be like like almost $100 million in 1980s. <laughs> because you have to do things practical back then, right? Right. And uh, this would have been practical. Uh, I mean, remember, we, they had the like him in the sky, but this would have had to have been done practically because there's a point in this where uh, Nancy and Neil are, it's after the opening scene, they're going back to the Institute and they pick up a hitchhiker. And this hitchhiker has obviously been terrorized by Freddy. The hitchhiker falls asleep and we know what's coming next, right? So she gets ripped out of the vehicle. When she's ripped out of the vehicle, they watch as Freddy, who is now this giant in the sky, is got her by, I do believe it's her, they, they don't say which, they say entrails, so I'm assuming it's her intestines. Yeah. And he is bobbing her up and down over traffic until finally she gets creamed by a semi-truck. Oh. So... It's very similar to what very he did in New Nightmare, where Dylan yeah. is being lifted up and down by the, the claw, only obviously not disemboweled. It feels like this movie, Freddy has an obsession, the Wes Craven version, he has an obsession with disemboweling people and their yeah. intestines. Uh, it is a way more brutal script. I did not read the whole script, I will be honest. I, I read some of the cliff notes from the Bloody Disgusting article and a few other articles, and then I went through the script to double check to make sure that those things existed. 
as they point out in the article, and I will point out, this is an extremely rough draft. It's not a complete script. Uh, there is uh, basically there is no lines. Uh, the lines that you can take from it, which I said the funny ones earlier, those are all notes on it. So basically, he had made notes of what he wanted certain characters to say at certain parts of it. It's basically a rough draft outline, a first draft, right? So the big changes in the movie are it doesn't it it doesn't all take place at the psychiatric hospital. It mostly takes place. Uh, at the Kruger home, which is now not in Elm, it's not on Elm Street in Springwood or Spring, Springwood. It is in Elm Street somewhere else, and it's a desert setting. Uh, a lot of people have said it, it reminds them of like uh, New Mexico, <laughs> which is far away from Illinois as possible. Yeah. So uh, I just want to throw out there that this script looks amazing. It looked very good. Now, with that being said, I love what we got. And I do have to agree with the writer from Bloody Disgusting. I do believe that this would, if this movie happened in regards to the original, or the, this one happened, the, the, if the Wes Craven script happened instead of the Darabont script, which obviously they borrowed a lot, you know, so, you know, some from. Right. If that would have happened, I do not think Freddie would be as cultural of an icon. Because, listen, there was a lot of disembowelments. He's munching on intestines. He's popping people's eyes out. It's it's brutal. This is a brutal fucking movie to watch, and and there's only very few comedic scenes, like comedic you know comedic relief scenes in it. Uh, you know, obviously the one where they're transforming the gargoyles and stuff sounds a lot of fun, but for the most part, this is a is a brutal film. Very horror, very slasher, very very bloody, and a very serious uh, Freddy Krueger. And so I don't think he becomes a cultural icon without being a smart ass and welcome to primetime bitch and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, boy, I don't know. There, there's there's some things I like about it. Um, I, I've always kind of thought that the series did start to kind of go downhill when it did become more funny. And I didn't really feel like that one that that happened until about the fourth one. Yes, it, I mean, it did in the third one. But I still thought that what we got was pretty serious. Not as serious as the original movie. Well, I, I'll agree with you there, but, but it, it was definitely comedy. it was definitely the start though. The punchlines the, the punchlines and one liners are there. Right. Uh, right. It's not but they as, weren't it's not, not as, as visceral as, as the like first movie. Oh, absolutely not. I mean and, it's and not as sla- it, it gets really them. slapstick uh when you get by the time you get to Freddy's dead. I mean four right. four, five, and six are very slapstick. And they get progressively more as they go. Uh, this I feel like this is really in the vein of New Nightmare. Uh, I can see where they said that he took some of the con. What Craven took some of the concepts to make people under the stairs. Definitely dealing with a rundown house <laughs> and, yeah. and and people that are squatting in the house as well. Of course, and all being terrorized by Freddy. And instead, he just changed it to the crazy family and you know similar right. sto- similar story. Uh, not not exactly, but it is definitely. You can see where there's the, the kernel was started there, and it grew into people under the stairs. I think, and right. you can also see where there's some influence in New Nightmare. New Nightmare goes back to the scary, visceral world of Freddy, uh, or the demon in this case for New Nightmare. And you can see some of the influences there, including what I just talked about. That scene seems to be almost, you know, obviously dumb, a little dumbed down, and because it's with a child, but almost the same exact thing that you see right. in your nightmare. Uh, yeah, he only definitely very wanted that scene. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. definitely wanted to get that scene done. Oh yeah. Um, you know, a couple of the questions I have for it too. I mean, at any point in the series, do, do you find out that Nancy's house was Freddie's house at one point? 
because I never got that from the series, but that's always the centerpiece to it. And I never really understood why. Another so vibe. It kind of would have made sense for him to have his own house somewhere else. Ready? You never, it is never alluded to that it's the same one and the same. Not even in Freddy's Dead, where you actually get to see Freddy's house, it doesn't look the same. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, but then again, you got to remember, we also didn't see the backyard in Nancy's house either. Well, you don't see the backyard, but there are the movies like the third and the fourth one. I mean, that's definitely Nancy's house. Well, absolutely. I mean, she even says in the third one that it's her house. Well, yeah, absolutely it but... is her house. But here's the problem. Like, the only ever shot we get with Freddy in, in, in to find out when he's young, it was in Freddy's dead. And the only thing we get to see is the basement in the backyard. Well, yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I so that's it. Like trying I'm trying to, to I'm trying to answer the question by saying that we yeah. we've never seen the backyard, so we wouldn't know. And that's the only movie that ever gives us a peek at what Freddy's home was, right? Outside of that, unless you go to the remake, which is completely different. Right, right. Huh. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too that that doesn't make sense to me in the script would have been where um, her her father's, you know, peeling off his his uh, eyelids to stay awake. Freddie doesn't go after adults in their dreams, so it wouldn't make sense for him to do that, I, I think. But of course, changing- it would have been a different movie altogether, so you don't know where it would have gone. Well, here's the thing. We're changing the mythos, too. True. So this is saying that Freddie, like, so, okay, so basically where I'm taking from this is that they would have actually been changing the mythos even from the first movie. True. And the reason being yeah. is that Freddie would be a being that was born as a demon, pretty much. Right. Because that's what the image is when she gets to see Freddy being born and bashes the baby against the wall. Right. <laughs> I mean, we did get to see baby Freddy. And remember what baby Freddy looked like in, uh, I do believe it was part four, right? Yeah. So remember four, what baby five, five. Remember what baby Freddy looked like. That was, was what it, we were, we were going to get something similar to that. So that would be saying that Freddy was born as a demon and not as the son of a hundred maniacs. Right. So you would have been skipping past that, which would have kind of rewritten the first movie, but that's not unusual for Hollywood, especially in the 1980s. Right. So basically you would have been saying, so that house, and that's where you get the waking dreams, is that house, you don't have to be asleep, and it doesn't look like he just goes after children. It looks at this point in juncture, if you go in that house, you're fair game. Right. And so her dad was obviously hunting him down because his wife was murdered and, you know, everything that happened to Nancy, ba 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 ba. And that leads him to that house. And I feel like once you enter that house and he's going after you. But in the in the case of the children, I mean, he did go after Nancy and she is adult in part three in the real movie. Yeah, that's true. And he does go after Neil, too. And Neil's an adult. And he does go after yeah. John. So, I mean, it, it isn't above him to not go after adults, it looks like. But it usually doesn't invade their dreams, uh, to right. your point. And also in the first movie, he does kill her mom. Well, that's true. Well, so, what was it a dream? Well, no, he kills her mom in the bed scene before that. Yeah. See, the dream scene at the end of the movie is all a dream scene anyways. Like, because her mom has been dead, remember? That's how her dad oh, finds true. out Freddy's real is because yeah. they watch her fucking, uh, for lack of, the to lack of better term, poltergeist into the bed. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's, that that remi- that re- that's what that scene has always reminded me of, like, as I've gotten older. It's like something straight out of poltergeist. Right. But anyways, so, I mean, the the last scene is kind of homage to Friday the 13th, and it's completely a dream. Right. She thinks, oh, everything's back to normal. You know, it's over. Uh, not so fast, sweetheart. <laughs> this is all a dream. And the worst mannequin of all time getting pulled through a window. <laughs> so I, I just, I think, I, I will say this before we go into, like, the final, like, compare and contrast. It's not really compare and contrast, but what I like better. I, I think that the third movie, the one we got, the Darabont version, if you will. 
the you know where all four people were involved with right you know they took the original idea they added upon it took away stuff and then he went on to direct it i think that that movie is an iconic movie no matter how you cut it whether it's your right. favorite or not it's an iconic movie i really feel like I can't see a world where that doesn't exist. Like much like I've said before, I don't see a world where the Ghostbusters was what it was originally supposed to be either. You know what I mean? With right. Eddie Murphy and, and and John Belushi and and all that happy jazz. I don't really see you know because that's how. It, so it's hard to see when a great movie comes out. It's hard to see it as something else. With that being said, though, this script is amazing, and the the ideas of this script went on to go into other movies, and we know that some of them right. did make it into Nightmare Three as you know the ideas that brought us separate things i.e freddie does kill that character although he's not 13 in a in a similar fashion instead he makes him a marionette which is more visceral in that case right however you know the the house thing like i said the house thing is the, the dilapidated house that people are squatting da, 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 does re, kind of remind you that's probably the colonel that did spark the idea for people on our stairs uh right. you know obviously we we pointed out the obvious that is it attached directly to new nightmare uh, which, of course, Wes Craven would write and direct years later. So, I mean, there's a lot of things in here, but there is a lot of crazy shit, but you should expect that from Wes Craven. I think people forget sometimes that Wes Craven is the writer and director of the original Last House on the Left and the original Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> right. And those movies are visceral and, and horrible. Like, And I'm not saying horrible in like a bad way. I'm saying they're, they're mean-spirited. They're bad. They're, yeah. they're fucking... I mean, I, I, I'm a fan. But, I mean, remember, the tagline for Last House on the Left was, uh, you know, remind yourself when you see it that it's only a movie. It is only a movie. It is only a movie. Like, they were booking it as this, like, fucking visceral. And it was. It was a real visceral revenge kind of movie. Even the I, I, I personally prefer the remake, uh, which is kind of. I know, it's, I know it's blasphemous, yeah. but I think the remake is even more vile and violent. Oh, uh, same here. I'm I, not a fan of the original. Well, you know why? Because the original gets real uncomfortable. Because back then, it was okay to have, like, visceral rape scenes. Yeah, and they toned the violence back a little bit because if you notice that movie has the the violence is actually toned down a little bit. A lot of things happen off camera or you know in the mind's eye, and the remake they toned back the sex, but they upped the violence. Yeah, I mean, guy's head gets exploded. In a, I'm sorry if that's a spoiler, but guy's head gets exploded in the microwave. I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great, and I, it's, uh, it's why I like it. And if like the original Hills Have Eyes has a lot of that too, where it's like very very brutal rape in that movie. Uh, and and, yeah. and a lot of the visceral stuff is more in the mind's eye. It's kind of Texas Chainsaw. I, I right. always like to say that because if you look, go back to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a lot of what people think was bloody and gory doesn't even happen in that movie. It's just your mind's eye. I'm not yeah. saying that there's not blood and gore in that movie. There is less than you think there is. Right. Because your mind goes, oh, shit. He just chainsawed through the kid in the wheelchair. There was blood everywhere. Believe it or not, there's not much blood in that scene at all. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, your mind can do... That's why sometimes I love it when, when a great director leaves it to your mind because your mind will wander to, to create its own world. You know what I mean? And I right. think that's what Wes Craven did very well in the original Last House on the Left and Hills Have Eyes. I think coming into the 1980s, violence was a little more tolerated, you know, judging by the movies of the era. Friday the 13th movies were very violent and visceral. The, the Halloween movies had started to become violent and visceral. And then, you know, we saw other movies in the slasher genre. I mean, we talked about uh, The Burning, which would have came out in 86, and Nightmare 3 came out in 87, so they were writing it in 85, 86. And The Burning has some pretty visceral scenes in it. So I think I think what Wes was doing was taking what he did in the past and then just kind of elaborating on, hey, 
we're going to disembowel people. <laughs> we're going to we're going to have him eating intestines because that's just disturbing. You know, right. like, like he was pushing the envelope like he would do in the past, but he was actually putting on page that he wanted to show it. And I think that's where you would have not gotten the cultural icon of Freddie because I don't think that you're going to put Freddie on lunchboxes, you know, when he's the welcome to primetime bitch guy. He's more likable than the guy who is uh, disemboweling your mother and eating her intestines. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I, I mean, I that's where I see the difference. So I, I still think that in this case, I like what we got better. But... I still think that the original script that was written by Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner was, was super good as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I, I definitely just hearing the comparisons, I, I think I would go with the, what we got um, just because it was such a fun movie. And like you said, I mean, it made him an icon, you know, it really did change. I mean, I, I you know, everybody's got their own opinion of, of uh, nightmare Two, but you know, that really was a more visceral script really when you think about it, what we got and it didn't work you know people look back on that and, and hate that movie and i don't even i don't think that's the worst movie in the series uh incidentally but well i mean i think all, the five is the worst one i was gonna say we all know five is yeah i'm sorry five, five is, the, is actually even worse than than freddy's dead yeah i think five's the worst and then i think it's a toss-up between freddy's dead and four i i think four is actually probably the better of those two movies but those three movies in particular aren't aren't great I mean, uh, the only saving, the only, and I, I, I shouldn't, I don't want to say saving because it ain't saving shit. The only, like, the only cool thing about five is the motorcycle scene. Yeah. But they wasted so much money on that scene, which looks cool, that they didn't have enough money to pay for other scenes in that movie that they slacked upon it at that point. Right. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Was that the one with the com- that was the one with the comic book scene too? Correct? That was the one with the comic book scene, which was really I kind of cool like well. that. Scene. that. No, that was I, really cool as well. There was a yeah. couple of deaths in that movie that are really good. The motorcycle, that was actually probably done because of the lack of budget from oh, the yeah. other scenes. because the, so. the animation, but that still yeah. ended up working out really cool. That that the, the those two kills I think are my two favorite ones in that movie. I mean, but let's think about it. We also in that movie get the he kisses the girl and like takes all the sucks all the oxygen or whatever out of her. Remember yeah. that's horrible. Like it didn't it, it wasn't even cool. Yeah. Uh, then there's the 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 pool scene is kind of is kind of cool, but it's not great. Was wasn't that the fourth one? Was that fourth? I think that was I always the mix yeah. them up. I always yeah, mix them up. But anyways, it, it, so but you know, which one is the fifth one? The fifth one's with the kung fu scene, or is that four? That's four. Also, that's uh, uh, where they have Invisible Freddy because they ran out of money. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's the brother of uh, yeah. what's her name, the, yeah, the yeah, blonde yeah. girl. That's the main character. I can't remember her name for whatever yeah, reason. Off the top it, do, it doesn't matter. They weren't good. I'm just throwing. Yeah, that. they have some. So four, four is okay. It's not great, but I, I didn't like that they did what they did to, to Kristen. Um, you know, Patricia Arquette didn't want to come back, and they recast her with somebody that was just kind of like a throwaway character at that point. They, it, in a way, kind of got the the, um, the uh, Ellie Cornell treatment. Well, eventually you know, down the road, since we're going to do this again, there is another um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 script. Oh, okay. Because the original movie did not, well, when Patricia Arquette, before she bowed out or didn't want to do it, they had a whole other script. Okay. Uh, we kind of heard about it from Ken's the Ghost. I don't know if you remember that when we talked. Oh, well, you weren't there that well, day I when, there. I, when I did the uh, the panel with him. He yeah. talked about it because Kincaid wasn't supposed to die in 4 in the original script. Okay. Uh, and then when Patricia Arquette bowed out, they changed 
everything. And that's why Joey and Kincaid also die in the beginning as well. Gotcha. That was, that was actually told by him. Uh, so I have to find the script out there, but there is an alternate script that was originally written, written uh, assuming that Patricia Arquette was coming back. Okay. So I'm assuming if Patricia Arquette was going to be the main girl for at least four and possibly even five. Okay. Originally. That's what I'm going to assume. It's too bad that didn't work out And then when she didn't come back, when she ended up not coming back, they scrapped it to do a whole new, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right. And that's why we end up with what we end up. It is too bad that happened because. But we ended up with, we ended up with the glove coming through the beach like a shark and with, with Freddie and sunglasses. Right. I mean, you can't put a price tag on Freddie goes to the beach. Right. And I got to ask a question. Does he put, does he put lotion on? You don't want to get a burn on top of your burn. No, you don't. You know, yeah. it's or does he tan? I don't know. Lotion on its skin. I don't know. But anyways, uh, with that being said, we are going to be doing these in the future. We're gonna, you know, I'm gonna get some uh, backlogs of them and study some things up and uh, write some stuff in the future for more of these. If you have a suggestion, if you would, if there's a script out there that was either made or never made, because we will be doing ones that were never made that were just come up. Uh, we're looking at you, Halloween. Eventually, we'll cover some of those. And and there's some other movies out there that had scripts that were allegedly or well not even allegedly they were written they were paid for they just were never made uh we'll be talking about those and we'll be talking about alternate scripts that started off one way and ended another way kind of like this one did and advice for all sorts of crazy stuff uh if you have a suggestion hit us up on the social medias if you want one because i'll research any of i'll research anything i just want i find this uh, very cool i like investigating old scripts especially ones that may have not come to fruition or changed so drastically that it changed the entire premise of a movie for whatever reason, whether it was because a star couldn't come back or budgetary or whatever, you know, we'll check them out. Uh, hit us up horror zone 607 on Facebook, like, and share the page at horror zone 607 on Twitter and Instagram hashtag HZ six zero seven. Whenever talking about the show. Also, you can visit us at eight one two two productions.com. There's a contact button there. Contact us through that as well, but I prefer the social medias There's a lot of quicker response from us. Also, uh, while you're there, you can check out the three fat nerds podcast, the wrestling show. Also friends of the show, like the Ocho Duro parlay hour podcast, all the music, great musical uh, uh, acts that allow us to use their mu- music, whether it's Tom Jolu, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands. Uh, hopefully we can get Jimmy Gazdick on here talking about some sleepaway camp in the near future. Uh, also, uh, the Phosphines from Melbourne, Australia, our local sponsors like Dragon Master Games, who provide us, provide us with the 8122 Production Studios, and Rex to Rod's uh, auto detailing here in Endicott, uh, both of which you can check out on the website. If you live in the 607, take advantage of it. Some cool stuff, and they definitely support us, so we like supporting them. And last but certainly not least, if you'd like to support us monetarily, hit us up, patreon.com slash 8122productions for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus stuff, and when uh, Mike is ready and uh, everything is safe for him and he comes back to the studio, we've already talked about maybe doing a little bit of like what we do on uh, Three Fat Nerds where we do the uncut, unedited one. So you guys get to hear some of our uh, planning for shows because uh, we have some we have some fun times, one-liners and stuff when we're just doing the show planning and uh, probably fun for you guys to hear. So uh, we'll probably be adding that whenever he comes back because it'll be a lot easier in person so with that being said mike c that's all i got for him this week take him home all right brother thank you so much for putting in the time for that uh, that segment there because that that was great it's great to hear about this stuff i can't wait to hear more about these unmade scripts in the future so i appreciate you, you putting in the time to, to put that together for us this week so that was a lot of fun uh, i want to thank you listeners you tune in each and every week listening to us we appreciate you 
We love doing the show for you. We love to just talk about horror. So thank you for listening. Thanks for keeping us going. We love you. And uh, Professor, I, I, you know, once again, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be good to have you back next week. But even more, I, I just want you to thank your mother for me. Just, she'll know what you mean. Just, just thank your mother. So, so tell her I, I appreciate everything she's done for me as well. Just, just go with it. I would like to add that you can tell her I was sorry because I once took her for a steak dinner and never called her back. Uh, you know, just like Dorothy Mantooth. That's just like right. Dorothy Mantooth. You don't talk about Dorothy Mantooth. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. She's a saint. <laughs> you hear me? So, uh, so yeah, yeah. But the professor should be back next week. He's uh, coming off uh, on top of being in two Broadway plays. He's also working on an album, of course, in his three-man band, The Lone Rangers. The can't wait, to- Lone Rangers. We can't wait to hear that. I'm sure we're going to have some of their stuff on our show coming up. Uh, but, oh, uh, and I, I got to point out, he is going to, uh, uh, th- this is breaking news, by the way. He is possibly going to be the youngest man ever in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as his side gig in the Kenosha Kickers. They have been nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this wow. year. Ladies and gentlemen, wow. Poca 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 has returned to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Congratulations to the professor. Wow. That's big news. That's big news, and you heard it here first. So maybe next summer we'll be seeing the professor. You know, for those of you that don't know what he looks like, you may get to you may get to see his face. He usually wears a like a luchador mask in public, so you know it's you well, may that's or so may not. so people can't recognize him as the professor. Right, right. He's got to keep his identity. So, but we will be back in the studio next week. We'll be bringing you more of the biggest horror movie news and talking a whole lot of horror. So until then, we're rich. I'm Mike C. saying, see ya.